0: Thank you. Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. If you're new here, my name is Matt Ortiz. I'm one of the pastors here at Infusion Church. And if we haven't met yet, I would, I would like to invite you to introduce yourself to me after the service. I'd love uh, to get to know you. Uh, to, to bring you up to speed, we are nearing the end of, um, approaching the end of a series that we've been in over, over the summer called Church Life. And our series is about what it looks like to be the church that God's called us to be, What a series about what life looks like in, a, in our relationship with God, in our relationship with each other, and in our relationship with, with, our, with our neighbors. Now, the title of this, of this message is A Loving Community in Action. And this morning, we're looking at John chapter 13, and we've looked at this Um, uh, passage a a few years ago, but I thought for our church life series, it would be really important for us to reinforce the the lesson that we see here in John chapter 13, the lesson that that Jesus has uh, for, for all of us, for us to be the church that God calls us to be. In this text that we just read, this text is all about love. So here's the deal. What in the world am I going to say about love that's new? I mean, after everything that's been written about love, after everything that's been said about love, all the songs about love, what in the world am I going to say that that, that isn't trite? Well, here's an idea. We can look and see what Jesus has to say about it. (laughs) There you go. In our text, Jesus wants to show his disciples, as it says in verse 1, that he loved them to the end. And, and, and here's what's weird. Out of, out of all of the illustrations that Jesus could have possibly choose from, he chose foot washing. Now, we hear that so often. If you've gone to church for any amount of time, you're familiar with this idea of, of foot washing. But it is kind of weird if you think about it. And he uses foot washing for his, for his illustration. But, but here's what I Here's what I believe. I am confident, I am absolutely confident that if we meditate on Jesus' washing the feet of his disciples, our hearts will be changed, and therefore our lives will be changed, and we will love others by showing them the love of Christ. That is my confidence this morning. Now, Jesus challenges us to love people the way that he loves people. But we don't, do we? We don't love people the way that Jesus loves people. You know what I'm talking about, right? We all have our our list of exceptions, our mental list of exceptions. Anybody come to your mind? Maybe a whole group of people, a host of people come to mind. We have our exceptions. And if we're going to love people, the way Jesus loves people, we need to know the kind of love that Jesus is challenging us to have. But we also need to know why we fail so miserably at it, okay? We're going to address that. So first of all, when Jesus washes feet, he gives us the, the challenge to love. Contrary to popular belief, this is not a suggestion, this is not just, you know, a good idea if you happen to have a good day and you feel like it. Jesus says in, in verse 14, uh, uh, somewhere in here. Just, just listen to what I have to say. It says, if then, <laughs> if then our Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Let me read that again. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now. First of all, I like how Jesus just simply identifies himself as their Lord and teacher, right? And then he basically says, love is washing feet. What in the world is he talking about? Well, Jesus uses this act of service to teach us what I think are, are, are four difficult, challenging truths about real love. And the first one is this, that, that love is serving others even when it seems insignificant. You know, it's a little bit easier to serve when we feel like it's significant, right? When we feel like it's important. Every single weekend, I feel the pressure of having to have a sermon ready for Sunday. And if someone in my family comes to me with a need that, that might seem insignificant in light of what I'm working on, it's too easy for me to think, you know what? I have more important things to think about. I have more important things to do. Get away from me. I'm trying to work on a sermon about love. (laughs) But check out Jesus. It says this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, that's critical right there. Because here's the deal. If anyone... If anyone had had the right to say, sorry, I've got more important things to think about, I've got more important things to do, it would have been Jesus. This is, a, this is right before he was crucified, and he knows it. But this is exactly the time that Jesus is thinking about washing dirty feet, the practical needs of his friends. I don't know about you, but when I am under the gun, and when the pressure is I'm horrible at this I'm terrible at this I mean think about the way that, that we all live life and think about the people that God has deliberately placed in our lives whether we like them or not or we think God knew what he was doing or not God has placed specific people in our lives and the question is are we looking for ways to love and help them with their needs or are we just too caught up in more important things to do, more important things to think about than washing feet? Am I, the, am I the only one that's messed up here? Yeah? Yeah, that's what I thought. It's just me. None of this is like connecting, right? We also see that, that love is serving others even when it's not obvious to others. It is a little bit easier when we get recognition for our service, right? I mean, we love to serve with with initiative and and assertiveness and enthusiasm when people are watching. But how would we be if God pointed to a basin of water and asked us to wash the worn-out feet of a weary homeless man day after day, month after month, where nobody saw and nobody knew? You know, I'm, I got to tell you, I am so encouraged by some of the secret servants that we have here at Infusion Church. They, don't, they know nobody's watching, but I'll catch them every now and then. I saw somebody this morning. Didn't even think anybody was watching. I'm watching them serve the, the church. I'm so encouraged by that. You know what? Jesus didn't need recognition. He just loved people. He never said, all right, man. Listen up, eyes on me, check me out. I'm now going to give you a demonstration of true service. Observe my humility. He didn't do that. That wasn't his style. That wasn't in his heart. He just slipped from the table, grabbed a towel, a pitcher, and a pan, and started washing, washing feet. Now, what about us? Do we faithfully serve the people God put in our lives when no one sees, when no one knows, when no one cares, or do we need the recognition? We also see here that love is serving others, even when it's inconvenient. I would say that this is one of those inconvenient times for Jesus, wouldn't you? To say the least. I mean, Jesus knew, knew that he was going to be nailed to the cross the very next day. And in, in just a few hours, he would be praying in the Garden of Gethsemane in so much agony that his sweat was like drops of blood, okay? If there was ever a legitimate time for someone to say, you know what, this really isn't a good time for me, this was it. If it were me, I'd be like, you know, in fact, I'd like you to wash my feet right now, thank you very much. But when Jesus shared... But what Jesus did was he shared all of the love he had in his heart when it was inconvenient. So what about us? What about us? As we examine our own hearts, as we examine our own lives, do we serve our our family? Do we serve our neighbors? Do we serve our church family even after a a stressful day at work, even even when we're going through hard times? This is the love that Jesus is challenging us. And if this ch- his challenge isn't too much already, we also see that love is serving others even when, even when they're inconsiderate. It's a little bit easier to serve people who are kind, right? A little bit easier to serve people who are loving. It's a little bit easier to serve people who serve you to meet the needs of others who meet your needs, who make you feel good. It's a lot harder when there's nothing in it for you, when there's not even a, like a simple thank you. That's, that's not so easy, is it? Now, think about those times when the people you are serving hurt you. Anyone here ever been stabbed in the back? if you still have that knife in your back like this morning like right now check this out the passage says jesus washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place you know what's interesting about this passage what's interesting about this passage is what it doesn't say it doesn't say Jesus washed their feet, except for Judas' feet, because he was a jerk. Pff, doesn't say that. I wanted to say that. Amen. I got one amen, and it's on that. It's on that one. Jesus washes Judas' feet. And the Bible makes it extremely clear that Judas had already decided to betray Jesus and to sell him out that would lead him to the cross. And Jesus knew it. And what's Jesus do? He even washes Judas's feet. I mean, Judas is known as the son of perdition, also known as the son of damnation. He's about to sell out Jesus, but what does Jesus do? Jesus loves him and serves him anyway. I mean, the emphasis here, what we see, I mean, Jesus tells his disciples to wash each other's feet. So it could be tempting to just limit this encouragement to love just to, to other Christians and other believers and other people who are loyal to God. G- Judas was not loyal to God, he was called the son of damnation, and yet. Jesus still washed Judas's feet. How about us? Do, do we love and serve and wash the feet of that jerk at work? That rude relative? That person in our, in our, in our family that, that doesn't appreciate anything anyone does for them? That person from that other political party? That church member that seems to criticize you every time they bump into you. I mean, Jesus challenges us to love like this. So the question is, why don't we? Why don't we love and serve like Jesus? Why do we fail so badly? And we do fail badly in light, I mean, compared to Jesus, right? We fail horribly, Every single day. Well, I think we have two major problems. First, there's pride. How does pride keep us from loving people the way Jesus does? Well, pride says, I've got more important things to do. Or pride says, that person hurt me. Or that person doesn't deserve it. Pride says, I won't wash feet. Now the other one is fear. How does fear keep us from, from loving people the way Jesus does? Well, it might sound something like this, like you know what, I'm barely holding on my, myself, or or you know, if I get involved, where will it end? It's a slippery slope. Or people might take advantage of me. Pride says, I won't wash feet. Fear says, I can't wash feet. So, what's the cause? What's underneath that pride that's in our heart? What's underneath that, that fear that's in our heart? You know what it is? It's emptiness. It's emptiness. The reason that we don't love like this is because of our own emptiness. We hunger for acceptance. We hunger for respect. We hunger for love. I mean, we were created for that. We want people to see us with all of our flaws. We want people to see us with all of our sin. And we want to hear from them, um, I love you. I'm proud to know you. I'm proud that you're my brother. I'm proud that you're my sister. I'm proud that you're my husband, my wife, my mom, my dad, my son, my my daughter. I love you. I'm here to, to serve you no matter what. And for them to say that without hesitation, without blinking, without pause, we were created for that, that kind of relationship. But here's the thing. If we don't know that kind of love, we can't give that kind of love. Because the the truth is we can't give something we don't have. We're empty. So what we do is is we have this tendency to, to use people for what they can do for us. We use people for what they can give us. And if they, if they can't do anything for us, if they can't give anything to us, then, all right, I'm going to move on. And a lot of times we do this just kind of, kind of a, it's a knee-jerk reaction. It's just kind of autopilot. It's just kind of something we do without even thinking about it and even justify it. So why in the world is Jesus able to wash feet? Look what it says. It says, Jesus, knowing that he was going back Um, to God rose from supper and began to wash his disciples feet so he was thinking about his father he was thinking about returning to his father Jesus's heart is not empty it is filled with his father's love and it overflows to others including Judas If we're empty, there's no way in the world we're gonna love like this. There's no way we can muster it up. There's no way we can grind it out. There's no way that we can white knuckle it. There's no way we could just do it. If we're empty, we will not love like this. In fact, it will seem unreasonable and impossible and we won't even try. But when we're filled with God's love, you know what happens? Our our pride gets replaced with with humility. Our our fear gets gets replaced with with confidence. Our, Our emptiness gets replaced with satisfaction. When we experience the love of the Father and are satisfied in Him, we don't have to use people to fill our emptiness. And we can love people without any expectation. So... The question is then, is how in the world do our hearts get filled with God's love? If you can't muster it up, if you can't grind it out, if you can't white-knuckle it. How do, how do our hearts get filled with God's love? So that we can love the way that, that Jesus does love the people that God has placed in our lives, our brothers and sisters and, in Christ and even the Judases in our life and in, even what's inconvenient and difficult Where do we get the power to love? Well, in order to wash feet like Jesus, our feet need to be washed by Jesus. When Jesus uh, washes the feet of his disciples, it points to something else. It says there in verse verse 7, Jesus said, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you, you will understand. One commentator uh, writes that Jesus' foot washing is a prophetic act. It it points to something. What's it point to? Well, Jesus' illustration points to what we need, okay? And we get three clues. First, foot washing is is totally offensive, okay? In verse 6, Jesus came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, do, do you wash my feet? Now, this was such a menial job, it was reserved for the lowliest servants. In fact, rabbis taught that Jewish servants should never, ever wash anybody else's feet, ever. That's reserved for the Gentile slaves. Why do you think none of the disciples volunteered for this job? And, and you know what? Their shock, their shock is not so much that, that Jesus was doing something that they should have uh, volunteered for, Instead, what ha- what's happening here is, is Jesus is totally flipping their world upside down. I mean, there is no record. There is no record to be found in Jewish or Greco-Roman literature of any kind of a superior ever washing the feet of an inferior. It just did not happen. And so they've been waiting for their Messiah. They've been waiting for, for their deliverer. They've been waiting for, for uh, this, this king that's been promised throughout the Old, the Old Testament who will rule. They've been waiting for, for the Son of God. And this is supposed to be him? This, 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 this dude that looks like a despised and rejected slave? We had somebody totally different in mind. Okay? Not this guy. And Jesus is washing feet for the good of others? I mean, this is so opposite of all of their cultural expectations. It's so opposite that that Peter and the other disciples find it totally offensive. And so verse verse 8, Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. But Jesus just said, What I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. All of this points to something else. Secondly, we see that that foot washing is absolutely absolutely necessary. Peter, Peter says, you will never wash my feet, Jesus. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Jesus is saying, what he's saying here is, in order to have a relationship with me, in order to share in all that I have to offer you, I must wash you. So this is absolutely necessary. Jesus said it was. And third foot washing is, is related to the cleansing of sin. Because now, now Peter said to him, Lord, not, not my feet only, but also, but also my hands and, and, and my head. This, this is typical Peter. He says, Lord, you will never wash my feet. And three seconds later, he's asking for a sponge bath. So calmly in verse 10, Jesus said to to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. And the one exception is who? It's Judas. Jesus is saying, whoever has identified with me is completely cleansed, is completely washed, totally cleansed from all sin. And they don't need a bath, just a regular washing of their feet. So when Jesus washes feet, he's using an illustration that points to something that is totally offensive, absolutely necessary, and completely cleansing. So what's it point to? Jesus' illustration points to the cross. The cross is totally offensive. It really is. The, uh, the apostle Paul says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then Paul continues and he says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, Jesus did not become sinful, but he was treated as if he committed all of the sin you and I ever committed or ever will commit. And Jesus died on the cross in our place so that we could be washed completely clean. So this might raise a question, like, why couldn't God just, you know, Forgive us. He is God and can do anything, right? So why doesn't He just forgive us? Well, we learn it's absolutely necessary for Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus says, Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Here's the thing God is a just God, and justice demands for all sin to be punished. Now, we don't like the sound of that at all. In fact, it kind of kind of rubs me the wrong way when I, when I say that, that justice demands all sin to be, to be punished. But we know it's true, and we know it's right, and we know that, in fact, it can be good that all sin is punished. You know how I know we all know that? is because every single one of us would get outraged if a rapist gets let off the hook on a technicality. You see what I'm saying? God is a just God and all sin must be punished, but at the same time, God is also a loving father and does not want to punish us. So what's the solution? On the cross, God punishes our sin without punishing us by taking the judgment upon Himself. <laughs> you know, for for all eternity, for all eternity, God the Father and God the the Son, um, God the Holy Experience, they, the Holy Spirit, they experienced a a perfect relationship of love. But then the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Here's here's the deal. I can see why a father would love his son so much that he would give him the world. But it is hard for me to imagine a father that would love the world so much that he would give up his son. I mean, when, when he put it like that, it just doesn't sound right, does it? But this is the mystery of the gospel, that the father could and that the father did give his son because it was the only way that we could be washed. It was the only way that we could be filled with the love of God, and he did it because he chose to love us, even though it cost him everything, even though we were his enemies. Now, if we believe this good news right here, if we believe this gospel of grace, I'm telling you right now, it will change us. It will change our hearts. It will change our lives. It will change how we love. This is the power of the gospel. The power to love others, even the Judases in our life, comes from knowing the love of Christ and it changes the way that we live so as I close, as I close um, and now that we know this uh, how, do, how, do we, how do we live this out? well Jesus gets real practical he says Jesus said to him the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet but is completely clean, clean. so first of all he's saying to begin we need a bath at the, and what's that mean? Well, it means at the moment that we admit that our sin makes us dirty, specifically the sin of not loving others like Jesus did, at the moment we trust in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, Jesus washes us. He washes us clean, completely clean. Our, our sin is completely washed away, and then we no longer need a bath. But then we need regular washing of our feet, we fall short of loving this way every day don't we every day and so every day we come to him and we admit that we're dirty and once again we look to the cross and once again we're filled with the wonder of the love of Christ and then our hearts overflow and we all of a sudden realize that the love of Christ can't be held back. I mean, our hearts will become so filled with the love of God because we're no longer empty. Our hearts become so filled with the love of God that our, the love of God will flow to others. And here's, here's what's kind of cool. We will be surprised to find that more and more as we apply, as, as we look at others through the lens of go- the gospel, through the lens of the cross, through the lens of God, of, of Jesus' grace, more and more, we begin to joyfully take on the role of a despised servant and washing the feet of others. So, in light of that truth, in light of that grace, in light of God's amazing grace and love and service uh, for you and to you, let me ask you something. How are you going to live this out this week? I mean, how is the, the Holy Spirit um, convicting you this morning? How is he? How's he? <laughs> how's he messing with you this morning? Is he bringing somebody to your mind of somebody that you need to love unconditionally because he loved you unconditionally? Who is it that God has brought to your mind? There is a pretty good chance that's what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do this morning. And out of love will be obedient to that calling. So what are you going to do about it? Well, you can't do any of it unless you begin by being blown away by who Jesus is and what he has done for you on the cross. It all starts there. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your head? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, that you are so patient with us. God, we, we, we are just so blind to how far we fall short when it comes to, to loving other people uh, the way that, that you have loved us. And, and so often we, we justify it. God, we we thank you that that you not only died for us, but you also lived the perfect life of love for us as our representative and gave us credit for it so that you now look at us clothed in Jesus' righteousness. And it is my prayer that, that as we confess our sin, that we would become more and more who we already are in Christ. God, make us more like Jesus, having reflected on the love that Jesus has uh, for us. God, I I also thank you that um, you liberate us from guilt and condemnation, knowing that you gave us credit for a perfect life of loving service, God, I know there are people who who feel guilty for not being able to do more because of uh, physical limitations or they're just not there yet spiritually. God, thank you that that, um, you know our hearts and that you're creating within us uh, the heart of Christ and that you love us no matter what. God, we thank you Uh, that you love us just the way we are, but we also thank you that you love us too much to let us remain as we are. And so help us to trust you in all things, even when we don't like it, knowing that you proved your love for us on the cross, that there's no shadow of a doubt that you have our best interests in mind. God, I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that is not... Uh, trusted you yet that this morning would be the morning where you give them uh, the inclination, you give them the courage to follow you to become one of your, your disciples to follow you as, as their deliverer, as their savior as, as, as their king, the one who gives uh, them direction and purpose in life God help us to all continue to, to grow and looking to you uh, as our a loving, gracious king, worthy of our worship and our devotion. Thank you for loving us. Help us to love others the way you loved us. And we pray this in your name.